0: We're all about furious gods, murderous farm girls, drama on the geriatric ward, horror in the morgue, and the inner workings of the porn industry this week. I'm Van Conner.
1: And I'm Adam Bourne, and this is Off Screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. <laughs> Groovy. All right, then, and welcome back to another episode of Offscreen. We've got more new movies to talk about today, and we are going to start all the way back in 1918 with a movie called Pearl. Talk to me about this, fan.
0: Yeah, okay, so I'm just I'm just trying to pull up uh, the actual because I couldn't remember how long ago X was, technically. This is the prequel to a movie called X, which I think we reviewed together... I think it was last year. It was 2022, but I believe it might have actually come out in 2021. It was doing the rounds on the horror circuit for a couple of years. And it was from director Ty West, who's just one of those names who's been on the horror scene for a good long while. He's, he's kind of a, 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 a lower-tier recognition horror auteur, like a a Mike Flanagan grade auteur. You know, these guys who everything they drop is the business, but they never seem to actually do good business at the the, the box office. and never quite catch over onto the the mainstream, but they're respected in the field. The horror fans know who they are. He's one of those names. Do you know what I mean? It's like I say, best comparison. I, I mean, arguably someone like Ari Aster, I think, would be a bit higher tier. Anyway, so Ty West did this film a couple of years ago. Uh, X, which you and I reviewed, and was about a group of, uh, of fil- filmmakers and act- actors and actresses who made adult films. The movie was set in the early 1980s during the VHS boom, and it saw them hire a farmhouse that they then went to to film using costumes and basic set dressing a number of adult films. And, you know, as, as day turns into night, they're all hunted and picked off one by one. And it's all uh, the machinations of the creepy old lady who owns the farmhouse, whose name is Pearl. And she was played by Mia Goth, who also starred, weirdly enough, as one of the young adult actresses in the movie as well. What you now have is, and this is hammer grade, for, do, you, do you know Hammer Horror at all? No. You know, you know the old the old British horror troupe, Hammer Horror. Chris, uh, you know, Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing. You know, Dracula. Oh Dracula, yes, you know that sorry, that. I know. Yeah, yeah. Right, they they were they were famous for. You know, they would they would borrow a stately home off a of mate for a couple of weeks, and then they would go and film, like, four movies, all using the same, and they would do, one movie would be set largely at daytime, one movie would be set largely at night, and the idea was you would just get really, what, what, what would come to be known as Corman on it, you would just try and squeeze as much production value as you could out of, out of a single location. Well, Ty West, it turns out, big fan of that idea, because whilst he's got the location for X, he's gone and made the prequel as well. In which Mia Garth go- Yeah, Mia Goth gets to take off the old lady makeup and do the 1918 So we've gone from the eighties to eighteen set prequel in which she's the young the young wife, the young farm girl wife waiting at home for her husband who's away at war. And she deals with the burgeoning psychopathy that's building up inside her, the resentment of her husband, you know, going away, you know, around the world, albeit, you know, for you know awful reasons. But she just wants to escape this humdrum small town at home with her parents' life. And uh, yeah, this is all staged as well. It's worth pointing out, as if through the lens of a, a roaring twenties, night or thirties golden era Hollywood flapper girl musical. And like I say, Mia Goth taking off the makeup, and so this is the this is the third iteration of a character she'll played in the series. Have a listen to the just bonkers whimsy that you're gonna get you're gonna get through this. And if you're looking for a tone of reference, think Carrie by way of Baby Jane.
1: If I'm meant to live out the rest of my days with you and Daddy on this farm, then
0: so be it. But I'm
1: only young once. I go to this audition and i don't get picked then i'll come home and i'll never speak of it again i
0: swear but i have to know that i tried or i'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life please mama you have no idea what i'm capable of oh yes i do i've seen the things you've done in private and you believe no one is watching you think others won't notice you can't keep your true self hidden forever.
1: That really sets a, a, a really good scene in my head with like the mm. thunder and lightning and the rain in the background. And I mean, is it does it reflect the 1918 period really well? In, that's kind of among the film.
0: There is a really, really clever thing they've done here. Okay, so because they've made this during the pandemic, okay, and this is—I think it's—it's it's actually made in New Zealand. And if there was one place you could make a movie with serious restrictions, it turns out, obviously, going to be New Zealand. Um, yeah. So they, what they have done is they have specifically chosen to set this in 1918 because this is during the influenza outbreak of 1918. So they actually have an in-universe pandemic going. Everyone's going around wearing masks. It's a brilliant idea. Absolutely inspired. That might be the greatest play of Ty West's entire career and i say that as a fan that is a brilliant move oh just be careful that pandemic out there oh yeah i better take my mask what a genius idea for a movie set in 1918 right um i love this i I thought this was really good fun like i say think carrie meets baby jane it's brilliant what i will say though is when i make the carrie comparison imagine carrie if carrie got to the point a bit quicker like because I've always found that the the the, the 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 issue with Carrie in my head is one of pacing. By the time Carrie gets to her big breakdown moment, it's it's too close to the end of the movie. You don't really get to sit and live really with the emotional uh, the, the emotional handling of of her outburst. It's pretty much just outburst. The end. Done. You know that's Carrie. Yeah, yeah. Here you get here you get like halfway, so you get a good amount of time faster. The performance for Mia Goth. I, I mean Mia Goth is just screen queen extraordinaire. Like, one of the best of this generation. She's a standout performer of, of our current time in the way that someone like Micah Monroe is. You know, someone like Micah Monroe, that's should look, that's a, that's, that's a modern screen queen. Yes, she works in more or less any horror movie. Same exact thing here. Um, there, we are getting a third one of these, uh, incidentally, called Maxine, which I don't know if, I don't know if that's going to be a sequel to X or if that's going to bridge the gap between these two. Um, you don't particularly need to have seen X... To, uh, to understand Pearl so, cause I, I, I'm going to assume that you haven't seen X
1: no that was actually going to be my next question is would I understand this if I was to dive into this because I really like the sound of this but uh, I'm not necessarily going to have the time to watch both
0: well that's it you don't thankfully need to and um, there are there are I think there are a couple like visual nods because obviously the same location it's kind of like watching the From Dusk Till Dawn sequels you know don't know you don't know you know and it it worked for me it's been a while since i watched x so i'm not particularly up to speed on you know the fanboy level stuff with it i did however really enjoy the production design of this i enjoyed the very specific way that it's been styled i enjoyed the, the the way that its story is labored because it is quite a traditional quite a betty davis kind of a a kind of a setting like i said i don't make that baby jane comparison lightly if you're someone that really loves twisted horror movies you and you also happen to be a fan of whatever happened to baby jane oh my god watch this movie because it had to have been an influence it had to have been like hands down uh, and i was just i was just giggling with glee all the way through so i thought this was an absolute cracker the kind of film i wish i could watch in you know just, just watch a, a drop top car in an old school drive-in i thought this was really really good fun and i think it has an absolute not just you know genre uh genre high performance but just a, just a mainstream high performance from Mia goth i think she's absolutely someone to behold and and we're we'll seeing we'll see for this alone. Like, this is just great fun. Like I say, Carrie, by way of Baby Jane, do not sleep on this. It's called Pearl, and it's in Wells from today. If you like this and you've not seen X, you get that to watch afterwards, which is almost as much fun, but not quite.
1: It does. Yeah, it does appeal to me. I do like the sound of that. And, and like the, you said, the clip that you played really kind of drew me into that as well. Um, all right. So we are going to continue in just a bit um, uh, two movies I'm really interested in knowing more about. We're going to talk about <laughs> Money Shot, the Pornhub story and also Play Dead, uh, a horror thriller. And we're going to find out what Van thought of that in just a minute. So stay right where you are. And we are back. Uh, We've got a couple of other new movies to talk about now with Van Conner. So first up, we've got the horror thriller *Play Dead*. Talk to me about this because (laughs) the synopsis looks great.
0: Yeah. Now, um, it's living proof that a synopsis is a synopsis for a reason. I mean, it's a synopsis and not a script for a reason because the synopsis is way, 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 way better than the movie. (laughs) <laughs> like I, I almost felt bad that that this wound up included in the script. If I'm being honest, um, so this Quick, this stars, yeah, this stars Bailey Madison and Anthony Turpel, and they are brother sister duo who are sort of down and out. This is sort of uh, like a 90 minute, 95, 95. Hang on, find you the exact runtime. Oh no, it's all like 105. Sorry, I just assumed it felt long. It actually is long, 105 <laughs> minute long. Um, horror-tinged thriller, which a pair of down-and-out, sort of, I don't know, college-age kids, whose parents have recently passed and they're struggling to pay the bills, find themselves um, accidentally caught up in a a weed store robbery in which their friend is shot, and the only evidence connecting them to it is on on his his phone. So, in order to get into the morgue and take the phone from evidence, Bailey Madison's character, ugh, this, oh, God, this just sounds ridiculous to say out loud. Bailey's <laughs> Madison's character, because she did a semester of criminology at college or something, fi- realises that she can score a certain drug that she can inject into her neck with a syringe, and it will simulate the effects of death, and so they can wheel her dead body into the morgue somehow, and then she can just wake up and steal the phone and, and leave. However, she doesn't count on the fact that that the morgue is being manned solely by Jerry O'Connell. That's right, Jerry O'Connell of Sliders fame. I know he's from Stamp by Me, don't at me. Jerry O'Connell from Sliders fame, who's playing a psychotic mortician who's actually keeping people like, alive in the morgue, restrained and harvesting their organs for profit and has to escape. Have a listen. is the corner he's keeping people alive Ah! and filling their organs
1: i do not like uninvited guests you are a sick man i'm not sick and the cure. That's got an element of Saw to it, definitely.
0: It wants to have an element of sore to it. <laughs> it really, really does. It would love. It would love to have an element of sore to it. Um, imagine, if you will, that the Disney Channel, for no apparent reason whatsoever, just decided to make a straight face slasher movie. That's what you'd get if you watch play dead which I was just I I mean I'll be honest for the first like 25 minutes I was thinking hang on was this not meant to be a horror movie of some kind why does this feel like a, a Hallmark Channel movie and that I came to realize was being charitable like really genuinely charitable the average Hallmark movie at least contains slightly more suspense than this this is abysmal and this it's really uh base level filmmaking as well like, they've got a half-decent DP and access to a good locale, you know, using the Thai West theorem, access to a good locale. But I, this is not good filmmaking. There's no uh, there's no sense of atmosphere or anything like that to it. And it's not even as successful in terms of its, its tone as Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was last week. And that was, as you remember, absolutely dreadful. This mm. is a movie that's actually, I think, worse than Winnie the Pooh, Wow. And Honey. Because, you know, that... <sighs> At least with that, there was a sense that you couldn't possibly. This is you shouldn't possibly. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's oh, no. Theorem. And just Jerry O'Connell, I was just, I felt really bad for him all the way through this. I was just out sort of the you kitchen know, I'm not, I shouldn't feel this bad for anyone who gets to go home every night to Rebecca Romaine, but I do. But having put in the effort he clearly has in this, and he's trying. And he's he's actually not bad in it. By his own Jerry O'Connell metric, he's he's, he's decent in it. But Where did it missed. go wrong, then? Right. The, the script is crap. Like I say, hallmark, cha- hallmark channel horror, if you can imagine such a thing. Mm. Like, you know, D- Disney Channel dismemberment, hallmark channel horror. That, that's about the best way to sum this one up. It's, it's just really bad filmmaking. I mean, points for trying, Jerry, but even you can't save this one. Sorry, buddy. And somehow, this is. is, Yeah. I mean, he's better than this movie. He's better than this movie. I've got to say that. If you
1: want to make your own mind
0: up um,
1: and uh, go and see it, it's in Cinemas from today. But, but just to don't, listen to Van don't, if you
0: want. Don't make me. No. I'm sorry. No. If you if you decide you're going to give Play Dead a chance, oh, Van might not know. I'm sure Van's just being harsh. He watches a lot of movies in a week. He's just jaded. Now, no. If after all that you still go and watch Play Dead, you know what? You reap what you sow. You get what's coming to you.
1: I would love someone to comment after watching it to tell you that they thought <laughs> it was an absolutely brilliant movie. That would be hilarious. So please do comment if you have seen it and you think it's great. Um, <laughs> um, On to the next one. Now, I've always, uh, I've always wondered how it works. This is called Money Shop.
0: Yes, Money Shot: The Porn Hub Story, uh, which uh, directed by uh, Suzanne Hillinger, is an insight into the formation of the now iconic internet porn hub. Effectively, it's not, it's not just a clever title; it is effectively the internet porn hub. It is the YouTube of pornography, but at the same time, it's also it, it's also its own sort of micro industry in and of itself. It's, or at least you know, one of the very front-facing uh, sides of an industry. Um... It also does not come without a certain element of real-world controversy. It's been, it's been tied up in, in human trafficking allegations and things like that the past few years, being accused of profiting from child sex trafficking and, and various you know, elements and crimes, criminal misdeeds like that. And this is the documentary that att- att- uh, you know, attempts to spool that all into one definitive tone. However, despite the fact that it's called the Pornhub story, as you'll quickly discover, it is also, in part, the OnlyFans story as well, because you... You can't talk about Coke without talking about Pepsi, especially when Coke is the, pe- you know, Coke is the gateway drink that leads all to Pepsi. Have a listen. I was pretty reliant on what management was willing to say about it. All we were told was none of it's true. This industry is going to get cleaned up they neglect to see that sex work and sex trafficking are two completely different things.
1: Sex workers in general were deplatformed across the internet.
0: 72% of us lost our income. If it wasn't for porn like I probably wouldn't be alive. It's not just an attack on porn, it's an attack on people being able to express themselves and the people who get left in the dust are porn performers. It's
1: always been a hot topic, um, you know, sex sells, and, and I don't know how true this is, but I'm pretty certain that I read that when there was the battle between VHS and Betamax, the reason that VHS won is because the porn industry put out their movies on VHS and therefore, bye-bye Betamax.
0: That is actually true. That That is actually true. Wow. It's very true that uh, it's on several uh, different occasions over the years since the actual future of home entertainment mediums has in fact been decided by the adult film industry. Which mm. there, there you go. I, I, I forget what the uh, I, I think they got it wrong on Blu-ray versus HD DVD though, if memory says. I think Porn yeah, Hub, and then so that'd be Blu-ray. Right. Um, this feels like a very perfunctory documentary at times. It didn't, for what I had read on the case through you know other stories of Pornhub over the years through just mainstream media. You know, just through your various pieces in The Atlantic and your Guardian exposés. Just what I had read in general media. This didn't specifically add anything new to me. And I wouldn't exactly say I'm well-storied on, you know, the history of Pornhub as a legal entity. You know what I mean? Obviously, I'm familiar with the company Pornhub. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an adult human. You know, I'm an adult human. Come on! (laughs) Had a couple of subscribe follows on the yeah d- during this at all I'm not going to deny but I didn't know the I, I didn't I've never seen the company man video on 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 yeah Facebook. so you know this didn't particularly tell me much that you wouldn't have gotten through just general I think cultural awareness of you know what Facebook are and who Twitter are and who, who various media companies are so it didn't really surprise me in an awful lot of regards what it does feel like is getting um. A, a, a journalistic piece about the plight of sex workers in video form which to be really honest is something i hadn't seen a lot of outside of maybe vice expose pieces this does not have the style of those though or the what feels like the journalistic wit so it does feel very made for Netflix. It does feel like what it is which is a ninety five minute fluff documentary that you just crack on if you're a do- you know, documentary fan like me and like, oh, I've not seen one important on I'm so. You know, um- it is what it is. It, this, this was never, clearly was never intended for theatres or anything like that, or theatrical distribution. This is not going off for film festivals or anything like that. It is a made-for-streaming documentary. Never particularly rises above that station. It's not one that's stopped with celebrity cameos or anything. either. Was it does pick its subjects, and I believe one or two may be reasonably well-known, based on more apparently their follow accounts. But uh, yeah, it's... It's a tri- It's an interesting enough piece of trivia. Three star doc. You know that kind of nothing, nothing too sparkly. It's does what it says on the tin.
1: Okay. Well, that is Money Shot, the Pornhub story, and it is out on Netflix already. Actually, it came out on Wednesday. If you want to go and watch that, uh, we are going to talk in a moment about Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Van. Before we do that, one word to describe that
0: movie, which you've already seen. We call Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Uh, mm. There's only one there's only one word you can say. Shazam
1: Hello and welcome back. So sticking with more brand new movies out this week, we're going to talk about Alleluia very soon, but first Shazam fury of the gods. So yes, he is back. Billy Batson. Now uh, talk to me about this fan. Good movie worth what going to see.
0: I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm a big fan of the very first Shazam. I, I wasn't feeling it with, you know, the excitement with this going into it because, you know, there's a DC, DC films are what they are. You know what I mean? It's, there's no reason to be excited because you like Bond well, does not mean like its own sequel in this brand. So I wasn't terribly excited about it. And uh, yeah, I'd say, ish worth-ish. I would say, uh- uh- it's, 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 it's more of what you liked, give it that, I guess. Right, let, let, me, let me get into it. Then. Okay, so Shazam Fury of the Gods seems to take place about two years after the first one. Have you seen the, the first Shazam?
1: Now, I haven't seen it yet, but what I will say is yeah. um, Sky are offering the first Shazam as a free download yeah. at the moment. I don't know how long that will last for. So if you want to watch that first, get downloading it now so that you've got it saved on your hard drive and you can watch it at, 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 when it, at will. I've downloaded it, haven't watched it yet.
0: Absolutely, do that as well because the first Shazam is like probably the best movie of the the, the DC If we're being right. real, I reckon, anyway, I think so because it's like big with superheroes, which yeah. I'm down for. And Zach Levi, I was I was a fan of him from Chuck. Uh, Zach Levi as Shazam, I think is really really good casting. I'm happy to say that, that 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 quality continues here as well. He's like one of the best things. He's far and away one of the best things about the sequel Fury and the Gods. So like I say. Two years after the first one, are you familiar with the basic premise of this, Adam? How this, how this character works? Very roughly,
1: I, I read the synopsis right. before I downloaded it and decided to download it.
0: Orphaned teenage boy living in a foster home. Uh, when he says the word Shazam, he is imbued through the crack of lightning with an adult body and all of the superpowers that come with it, which are the powers of the gods. So, yeah. and, and each each letter of Shazam is one of them. So the Z is for Zeus, you know. You get the idea. I forget who they are. Achilles might be one of them. Anyway, so they're all different. Uh, different gods. He gets all of their powers whenever he says Shazam. Now his foster brothers and sisters have those powers as well because they have uh, assumed the powers of the other gods. So we have the full Shazam family, which is really, really deep, deep, deeply rooted comic book lore. Like Mary Marvel is is something that Alan Frank would joke about. So it gives you an idea how how far back that goes. Yeah. Um, so it's now a couple of years later. Billy's a couple of months off turning 18 and effectively aging out of the foster care system. As this weighs heavily down upon him, he and his uh, you know s- sibling squad, effectively you know they they're the uh, they're, they're, they'd say they're, they're sort of sibling squad, a team, but they're also foster siblings. They are each pursuing their own individual sort of pursuits freddie who's always been sort of you know living with disability has always been sort of overlooked is you know getting to feel the thrill of being the center of attention for a change getting to actually have power and and getting to actually you know feel what it is to you know be the alpha for a change um mary is looking looking you know separating out and going to college and things like that and into this mix come the daughters of the gods played by helen mirren and lucy lou Brilliant. That's all our awesome. seven awesome. for now. There is a bit more to it than that. But who come along and basically they want the powers of the gods for themselves and basically just come after the Shazam family. Have a listen. The other champions. Shazam! Are they
1: children like yourself? No,
0: because nobody's stupid enough to grant primordial godlike powers to a bunch of kids.
1: Woo! <laughs> we are at oh, I don't even know you,
0: lady. Whoa, whoa. How's everyone going? To fight crime. Okay. You are a lost boy. I'm going to be 18 in like five months. I love my life.
1: Is is Helen Mirren typecast in this? Because I find most of the movies that she's in, she's always playing the same kind of character.
0: Well, I mean, it does. It does feel like you know, as soon as you, as soon as you get told Helen Mirren, if I as soon as I tell you the role that Helen Mirren is playing, you can kind of imagine exactly how it's going to be played, and she doesn't disappoint. It's exactly how it's played. It doesn't have an It's yeah. not got the fun of like her turn in the Fast and Furious movies, where at least she gets to have a little wink to camera. None of that. It's just it's a straight comic book villain, and I'll be honest with you, this felt a lot to me like Deadpool two, in that. I really like Deadpool. The first Deadpool movie from, I think it's 2016. I, I really like it. I think it's a great movie. In the same way, nearly, that I think that Shazam is a really great movie. It's something different. It's Although it's playing with a worn formula, and it is obeying that formula, it's having fun with it in a quirky and offbeat and irreverent way. The way that Deadpool then segged into Deadpool 2 is exactly the same tonal manner in which shazam does as well it feels like it it feels as well that we're kind of watching a film that's on borrowed time to an extent like a lot of it feels like we know we're going to be phased out. Like No one knows what's going on with any of these movies. They're going to be gone next year. None of this continuity or matter. Just recycle the same sets from the last movie. That's it. There's, there is one new addition which kind of looks strangely like the, uh, the subway car sequence from uh, the subway car lair from the Turtles movies. You know when they, uh, they have that New York subway uh, underground? Yeah. Kind of like that with the arcade machines. They've got this like Shazam lair, which feels very HBO Max, if we're being honest. I mean, it's bizarre that a movie that looks this cheap can cost as much as it does. That, that's another thing. But it is being held... I mean, it's being held aloft largely through the charm of Zach Levi. And the problem is that Zach Levi's charm is not necessarily heavy enough to carry this all the way by the numbers because there's no real subversion to this. Everything is just... Did you like that bit in the last movie? We're just going to do more of that. And it does feel like that kind, of, that kind of a spin, in the same way that Deadpool definitely did that.
1: So the storyline isn't enough to really get you absorbed and take you through for a decent ride, then? It gets a bit boring.
0: Not really, because the mythology element of Shazam was something nobody cared about in the first movie. I don't think anyone can remember the plot of the first movie. I I can't. He fought Ma- Mark Strong. I was said Matt Strong, which, case in point, like I didn't even <laughs> remember it was Mark Strong. There you go. Um, but you didn't care because it was about the story of Shazam and you were more entrenched and, and, and more rooted in that emotional journey. The, the journey of becoming the superhero was tied with the story of his emotional growth. does not feel that way this time. Like you do not have that intertwined arc, that pair of intertwined arcs, that build to something that's, that was really satisfying. I mean, the first movie pulls off a, a, a frankly ridiculous coup in giving all of the siblings the powers at the end. And in hindsight, it almost feels like what happened with the Shrek movies, where the Shrek producers have said, if we knew we were going to do sequels, we wouldn't have gotten them married at the end of the first one, because it wrote us into a corner that we've never really been able to get out of. And you feel like they did that with the first Shazam movie. This feels way more disparate, way less focused this time around. Although, I will say, there's there's going to be an entire section of the internet that comes alive Entirely for Megan Good doing what is effectively baby talk. Because Megan Good has to behave like she's got 11. Yeah, Megan Good has to behave like she's an 11-year-old girl. Yeah, Megan Good, who is just uh, a a 40-something goddess of a woman, has to speak and act like a super-powered 11-year-old girl. And that is creepy as a fan of Megan Good. That's all I'm going to say.
1: It sounds to me like they just made a sequel for the sake of making a sequel in the hope it would bank some cash then, from what you've said so far.
0: I mean, it, Grace Caroline Curry. Do you know what? She gets some more time in the spotlight here because she's the older, of, oldest of the siblings, so she kind of gets to keep her childhood form as, you know, adult hero as well because she's now actually at adult age. So she gets to kind of stay looking the same. The rest then gets to be played by different actors. Incidentally, you know how they change into different actors? So uh, uh, Asher Angel turns into Zach Levi when he says Shazam. Yeah. Jack Dylan Grazer becomes Adam Brody. Well, you've got Adam Brody and you've got DJ Katrona as two of the, the Shazam family. They were both members of George Miller's canceled Justice League movie from 15 years ago. When we had the writer's strike back in 2007, 2008, There was a, a Justice League movie that would have you know, radically changed like how we had the DC movies. And it was, it was based on uh, Justice League, Mortal, Tower of Babel, I think it was uh got loosely adapted as justice league war or justice league mortal or justice league doom or some animature and uh, it was a pretty good script and it had all the characters in it adam brody was going to play the flash dj katrona was superman i believe and if you want to know how long ago this was army hammer was batman for this movie that's how long ago this was and wow. they were to film it in australia it was about to happen and then the writer's strike kind of put paid to it um, it's been lost to history. So at least we get some sort of thematic redemption with this. Two of the Justice League are back in the, the DCU. Um, there is also, I will say, there are post-credits cameos uh, in this. Always. Uh, that, you know, naturally, with these kind of things, there's, there's two. There's one in the middle, one at the end. If you like the first one, you'll like this, but you'll like it slightly less. If you didn't like the first one, you ain't going to like this, because it really is just more of the same. It's the same formula without the charm. I think even though they're trying, Zach Levi's not got quite the heft to bring it home.
1: And do you have to watch the first one to understand this one or could you dive straight into this one?
0: I would say you probably need to because it is one of those, it is a part two sequel. It is all, it is basically, oh, you did that in the last movie. Well, that's done this now. And it's, it's one of right. those. Well, there's an excuse
1: to try and find it. Well, the free download's happening on Sky at the moment then, so you can get the first one in your on your hard drive, ready to watch before you watch this one. Shazam! Fury of the Gods, which is out in cinemas from today. We are back in a moment when we talk to Van about Alleluia, which um, is, uh, well, I've got to be honest, the synopsis doesn't sound that much fun from what I've read. <laughs> uh, shall I, I, I'm not going to read, I won't read it to you now. I'll read it to you in a second. But yeah, we'll talk all about it in just a bit. So stay right where you are. Hello and welcome back to Offscreen. So one last movie to talk about this time round. That is Alleluia, which is out in cinemas from today. Um, I did mention earlier, just a moment ago, that um, the synopsis I read on this, uh, with my little bit of prep I managed to do before we chat, didn't really draw me in. This is what it says. The story of a geriatric
0: ward in a small Yorkshire hospital threatened with closure. That's it. Yeah. I mean, if you if, if you added the words "based on a play by Alan Bennett," after that you'd be like, "Oh, there!" <laughs> that, that loops the sentence off. That that ties that <laughs> sentence off nicely. It all makes it sense now. That. Yeah, it didn't say that though, did it? No. Nope. Uh, so yeah, that's exactly what you've got. It is, in fact, the story of a geriatric ward in a small Yorkshire hospital that is threatened by closure, and it is based on a play by Alan Bennett. Um, as part of the, uh, the drama of this uh, hospital-facing closure, they have a documentary filmmaker crew in that's, uh, that's cataloging uh, their efforts to you know save the hospital. And uh, what you get uh, as part of the story is uh, Judy Dench, criminally wasted as one of the residents, one of the long, longer-term residents of the geriatric hospital, who's been given an iPad and told to go around and, and document life on the ward from her perspective. Uh. Um, yeah, have a listen. Swipe on the icon like we did before.
1: With greater gentleness, as though you've seen a speck of dust and wish to brush it away. <gasps> ah. <laughs> you put us all out of a job. I said that to my computer the day they digitalized the library. I was at the forefront of modernisation. Well, what do you wish me to record? Well, the filmmakers say they simply want your point of view. For you to record what you see, to... Tell them what your life is like. I could
0: tell you something about that chair. Only I won't.
1: That sounds rem- remarkably like me when I go and see my mum and she's got a new mobile phone that needs setting up.
0: Um, <laughs> Mine too, who actually. Doesn't love- <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't love a bit of Dame Judy Dench? We say that every time.
0: Well, as it turns out, the answer to that uh, is director Richard Ayer. Um, or Richard Ayer. Uh, because she's got an all screen time in there. She's criminally wasted. Um, as he's, you know, Pretty much Yay! everyone in this movie is wasted. The movie itself is wasted. What an absolute shambles of a film. Wow. Okay. Um, to put this in context for you, I, I saw this um, Tuesday afternoon, I think it was, before Shazam. And I found myself stood outside the Charlotte Street Hotel with Kermo just... Hand, hands in our heads just like rocking back and forth trying to work out what the hell it is we just watched so for the longest time in this it's effectively like a, the best exotic marigold hospital you know best way to describe it you know it's it's a you know a dramedy group of old patient older patients in this you know uh, geriatric ward not in a hospital face enclosure cool You know, then it becomes about Russell Tovey's character, whose father is one of the patients there, works for the health secretary. And it's about, seemingly about him coming round and his efforts to save the hospital. Then it's about something else that if I actually describe to you, you won't believe I'm talking about the same movie, then it's about something else that if I actually tell you you won't believe I'm telling you about the same movie, and you're watching it all thinking, if it weren't for the the fact that this is about as sour-faced, miserable, and moping an affair as it could possibly be, I wouldn't even think this was Alan Bennett, because... This is all over. What the hell is going on? And don't get me wrong; it's its final note that it chooses to go out on is 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 very much. Oh oh, someone's given Alan his Ovaltine again. Oh oh, it's one of them days. <laughs> hey, Alan's Alan's got another sermon, ladies and gentlemen. And yeah, you can. Oh God, I I understand. You know, it's one of those times where I I understand what it must feel like to to um. To, to most people when they watch something by Aaron Sorkin, because that's how I felt watching this. I was like, oh, God, Alan Bennett had that through this. It's an absolute mess of a film. The performances are very good, like Derek Jacoby, for instance, the performances are very good, but what little of them makes it to the screen is it's just, it's a drop in the ocean of a much messier, much more ramshackle ramshackler film. I mean, Bally Gill takes over the role here for the screen, apparently from Sasha Dewan on the stage. And I can see how this character would have worked. Our lead here would have worked. You could hear him in the clip there, uh, how that might have worked on how Sasha Dewan's general performance style goes. Here, it just doesn't play. And it just comes across as a bit saccharine, a bit too naive. Uh, as for Jennifer Saunders, Jennifer Saunders does the best she have with what she has to work with. Which is a nice way of saying that I can't properly condemn her without revealing certain things about the story. Suffice right. to say, it's an absolute dog's dinner of a movie, an absolute shambles, and it's completely befitting the state of the NHS. That's, that's, wow. that's what I'll say. Yeah. If, when you, when you that, say you like... That, that might be Alan Bennett's best trick, actually. It is about as good a movie... <laughs> as the state of the NHS. When you say, uh,
1: or said at the start, about kind of having one thing happen and then it moves on to something else and something else weird happens, are these incidences, are they connected in any way or is it really as random as you describe?
0: It it really is random. It really is. I I mean, I, I don't know how to do this without doing spoilers. Right. I'm going to completely flip the script, right? Just imagine, just for comparison, you're watching a drama set in a school, okay? Imagine you're okay. watching a dramedy set in a school, okay? It wasn't a particularly great one, and it kept having all these diversions. And then just out of the blue, there was a serial arsonist. Just out of the blue. You're watching a, a, a dramedy, a real-world set dramedy, that was about a school in Basildon. And then just out of the blue there's an arsonist a serial arsonist who's just burning loads of buildings just imagine that and how weird that would feel that's yeah. how it feels watching this alan bennett adaptation those are words i have just said out aloud in 23rd 23... <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> wow i mean it, it's one of those
1: reviews really that sounds so bad i kind of want to watch it well,
0: Do you know? We mentioned him a little while ago. Alan Frank once once told me the greatest way you can flub your way through any review is is you use the phrase to say any to give any more away to to say any more would be would be to spoil it for you, or to give any more away would be to spoil it for you. Just just say that, and people will naturally just excuse you because they think you're doing it for their own good, and you just get away. I'm like, huh? Never thought about that. The only time I've ever had to do it was Cabin in the Woods. (laughs) (laughs) Was that because you didn't get to the end? No, no, it's just because you can't, like, beyond the first 20 minutes of Cabin in the Woods, you can't really talk about it. It's like From Dust to yeah. You tell people about the point at which From Dustal to pivots from being one movie into another, you know.
1: I see. Yeah, no complete spoiler then, isn't it? And not worth yeah. anyone actually going to watch it themselves. Um, well, there you go then. Um, Alleluia, if you want to watch it, it's out today uh, in cinemas. Don't. Don't. <laughs> but on, on Vans advice, don't. like many movies this week, don't. Um, Well, let's see if that continues next week because we're going to be talking about Infinity Pool.
0: Yes, and I am very, very excited about Infinity Pool because guess who who stars in uh, Infinity Pool who we've already talked about this week? Only Mia Goth. Mia Goth is in this. It also stars Alexander Skarsgård and it's the uh, the latest film from Brandon Cronenberg, son of David, who gave us Possessor a couple of years ago, which you might remember I was a really, really big fan of.
1: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, eighty for Brady as well. I've done. I don't know anything about that.
0: Do you know? Do you know who Tom? you know, Tom Brady. You know, the, no, uh, the, the NFL quarterback Tom Brady. Like, the guy oh who, yes, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. Like yeah. one of like the best to ever play the game. You know, by all accounts. Yeah, Um yeah. Uh, It is the story of four eighty-something ladies who go to the Super Bowl. To see to, to see their hero Tom Brady, their favorite player Tom Brady win the Super Bowl, uh, I have seen it, and it's really it's it's really something. It's a lot like what you would get if you smash together the Book Club and that Simpsons episode in which they go to the Super Bowl. Like imagine that. Imagine like Diane Keaton kind of going to the Super Bowl, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what you would get with with this. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that next week. That's uh, you, you, oh, and there is. A certain celebrity cameo and that, like like how The Hangover has Mike Tyson. There is one for 80 for Brady, and if you don't know it, you're in for a good time next week.
1: Well, you'll have to make sure that you uh, subscribe to this podcast to make sure you get next week's episode to find out. Um, also, see that sales pitch I did there for you there? Um, I did, I did. A- a good person uh, another movie that's out next week um queen, queen flower
0: I, I, I mean queen flower florence yeah. pew in a new movie uh from from Braff. so i i don't know what to expect other than it's got florence pew in it and her ex boyfriends uh, directed it so i don't know if that automatically means it was a good movie but you'll be happy yeah yeah at least at least queen flows back on screen. um uh, next week we've also got the beasts which is meant to be like a straw dogs type thing foreign language film i think it's might maybe spanish um, and it's it meant to be a bit like straw dogs I'm really looking forward to that but of course you know what I'm looking forward to more than yeah really the next week it is a three hour long action movie sequel it is John Wick chapter four baby Wick yen Adkins oh pour this in
1: me the last time I sat in a cinema for that long was to see Titanic in 1990 something.
0: I was about to say, did you go the twenty fifth anniversary thing recently? Like that's, I just didn't expect that of you.
1: No, I didn't. I didn't. But I did see <laughs> Titanic three times when it first came out in the nineties. No. I took a different girlfriend really? each time. Yeah.
0: Oh, you, you dark. <laughs> well, yeah. We, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you'll be taking uh, three dates to see uh, John Wick four. No. But um, if, if should you get the opportunity, you know, a fair play to you, sir. I, I commend your efforts. Maybe I uh, struggle but, to yeah. get one date these days, let alone three. Oh, come on. Well, you know what? At least when you do now, you have a movie you can take it and see one time.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, all of those to talk about next week, and um, we will be back on off-screen. Until then, I've been Adam Ball. I've been Van Connor, and
0: we shall return.